Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. I'm Tyler Orton. And I'm Haley Wooden. And this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Haley, why don't we talk a little bit about what's catching our eyes when it comes to business news this week? What about you? Yeah, well, for the quite some time now when we've talked about BC Hydro, we've been referring to Site C, but the Crown Corporation is in the news for another reason, and that's because it has asked the BC Utilities Commission to withdraw a planned 3% rate hike. This is according to BC's energy minister. It was set for April 1st. The minister, Michelle Mungal, says it will save ratepayers about $150 million. But there are some skeptics, namely how BC Hydro is going to come up with this lost revenue. It's all great to have a reduced rate hike. But what does that mean at the end of the day for a crown corporation that does need to raise some funds? Yeah, I mean, this kind of goes back to a lot of the energy issues that we are going to be talking about going forward, especially with regards to the Site C Dam. We spoke about it on our uh, Roundhouse Radio last week, I believe, with Werner Anfiler, uh, UBC economics prof over mm-hmm. there about, you know, this is kind of a bit of a Sophie's choice for the NDP government, at least politically speaking, just with the rising costs of, say, Site C. So where are we going to be getting our energy from in the future, especially if no matter what, it, it seems that rates are inevitably going to go up. That's what Ant Filer was telling us. So if we're skipping out on this rate hike for now, I I think we're going to have to make that up sometime in the future. Yeah. And he also pointed out too, there are costs associated either with putting the project on pause, with canceling it, a lot of sunk costs there, or with proceeding, it's likely to run over budget. And one of the things he said that really resonated with me is it's no longer an economic decision. It's probably most likely going to be a political one. Exactly. And there will be people who are unhappy regardless of what decision the government makes. Uh, That decision expected to come by the end of this year, at least that's Premier John Horgan's promise. Um, And they've also announced a a one-year review of BC Hydro as well, which is why they're asking for the delay. All right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit more about the province here? Uh, They're launching a panel that's going to look at tweaking liquor regulations. Uh, We have longtime liquor policy lawyer Mark Hicken. He's going to help build this panel. It's going to include manufacturers of wine, beer, and spirits, as well as retailers. It's all about tackling a lot of big flashpoints for the industry, especially when you think about how restaurants are, are looking at whether they should be paying the same prices as those customers going to retail outlets for their booze at this point. It, it brings up, you know, are we going to be getting better prices if we go to restaurants compared with right now? Or are restaurants just going to be taking home more profits uh, in the future? If, of course, this is all hypothetical, if this does come to pass and they rethink the current framework that we're working in right now. Yeah, I'm curious too. Uh, we've had Mark Hicken on the radio show before to talk about trade issues related to BC's wine industry. I know that's been fairly controversial. Unclear now what the focus of the panel is going to be, but that's certainly been a flashpoint issue. Are, are you happy with uh, the amount you pay for, say, a glass of wine or a pint of beer? No. At a restaurant? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, I, I, let, let's. I'll just say this. I Whenever I go down to the States, I'm always surprised like when, say, the beer or wine menu comes and I'm paying prices that are comparable to what I'm already paying in Canada. I just have this idea in my head that, you know, it would be cheaper down there. It's not. So I I, I do wonder, are are we paying as bad of prices as we'd like to think? Or has this even been your experience? Maybe this is, it's all anecdotal on my part, parts. I'll admit that, but I don't know if that's been the experience for other people. Yeah, I don't know. I um, Well, I think too, I haven't spent 
too, too much time in the States, but I have spent some time in Europe and I found our prices here are probably comparable. So like smaller prices, but when you factor in the exchange rate, similar if you're going to, you know, not really high end establishments. I mean, it's not bad here, but would I like to pay less? Of course. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, but I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking about like what's realistic for kind yeah. of the future of, you know, going out to a restaurant getting a beer or having a glass of wine, are we really going to pay prices that are that much less expensive? Or is it really more about the industry taking home tidier profits? Yeah. The I'll, the one argument I'll make, though, is if it is in a restaurant's interest to compete and they have the option of charging less than they could before, they may do so knowing that they'll attract more business. Although, Everybody we talk to in the industry says that they're hard up for labor. There's just not enough help that they can hire. And a lot of restaurants are, say, having to cut down hours or even close down altogether. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And obviously, going somewhere for a drink can be a big draw, especially if we're talking about bars and with what real estate prices have done, too. You don't really think, I mean, you can't think that restaurants are going to be looking to slash prices if you factor in labor challenges as well as what they're paying in leasing and rent as well. Yeah. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600. At 604-714-3600. Or else check them out on their website at manningelliot.ca. What else is catching your eyes this week, Haley? Well, CPA Canada has released its quarterly business monitor. It surveyed close to 500 senior executives in Canada. And it outlined some of their top concerns and how optimistic they are for the future. So obviously concerns, one being the U.S. tax plan as well as trade policy. Those are the top two concerns. Nearly three quarters of respondents said that the U.S. corporate tax cuts are going to be a big competitive threat to Canada. However, 47% pretty optimistic about how the Canadian economy overall is going to fare over the next 12 months. Yeah, so, you know, it's already been stuff. exceeding expectations at this point. So maybe that's influencing why uh, people are still optimistic about it going forward. Yeah, and obviously underscored too by some, it's optimistic about what's going on in Canada, but a bit of a sense of needing to maybe address some concerns, um, one being how Canada negotiates its trade issues. The other one being options and ways to maybe strengthen Canada position as it relates to tax, and of course, uh, we've been talking a lot about on the podcast, on the radio show, about some of the proposed tax changes here in Canada. Maybe not what a lot of business individuals and leaders had in mind, per se, uh, but that is ongoing, so that's certainly on the radar of executives. Are, are you suggesting that this created a little <laughs> bit of controversy over the know. summer when uh, we brought up the yeah. idea of changing our tax codes here? Just, just a little. A little just bit, probably okay. like the biggest. I, I think it's probably the greatest response. I've ever seen to a tax measure. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I don't think we've had like a big overhaul for about 40 years though. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's understandable why there's such outreach and I, I guess outrage as well with regards to this. Yeah. A lot of concern and uh, ongoing for sure. But yeah. we're, everyone's waiting to see whether changes will be made or whether it will um, 
the proposed changes will be implemented. All right. Well, I'm going to take a look south of the border, just kind of the business story that I keep going back to because I find it absolutely fascinating. But with regards to Fox, 21st Century Fox, that is, kind of shopping around its major assets to Disney. This is kind of a fascinating story. It looks as if talks were held between executives a few weeks ago. We don't know if anything's really going to come out of it at this point. Uh, the report from CNBC said that talks aren't necessarily continuing on. But what it shows is that Fox does not believe it can compete with kind of new media as we know it. It's like, uh, are, what are they going to do? Build a brand new Netflix from the ground up or else create their own Amazon service? Fox doesn't think that they can necessarily do that. Why not sell assets like their TV production, their movie studios to somebody like Disney? And then Fox is going to focus on broadcasting, such as TV broadcasting, sports, news broadcasting as well. This is fascinating because Disney is actually big enough that they are saying, yes, we can compete with Netflix. Uh, they're pulling their uh, content from Netflix as these uh, agreements wind up, and they're going to be launching a Disney streaming service, which honestly, yeah. I think... That's going to be huge, and that's really going to be shaking up uh, the Netflix model to a certain degree. We also have, say, uh, a joint venture between Fox, NBC, and ABC, which is Hulu. They're trying to take on Netflix as well. So th there are competitors out there, but it's still kind of a difficult go for a lot of these big giants. Yeah, and yeah, to your point, Disney is going to be building their own streaming service from the ground up. And I, I don't know, sometimes I look at what's available family content-wise on Netflix. A lot of it has been Disney, and of course, they have the rights to some really popular franchises too. So yeah, I think it's probably a smart move on the part of Disney. We'll see where that goes. I'm curious to, to the point of all these streaming services popping up, unlike, you know, um, how it used to be you purchase a cable package and you have all these different channels bundled. We're sort of at the point now, if you want to get different content, if you have a family, you're going to need to subscribe to say Disney as well as Netflix. And if you want Amazon content, you're doing that there. So I, I'm curious to see what wins out or if the new model is just paying, you know, 10 or so dollars for all these services. I, I think that's where people are going. These kind of a la carte models where you, you pay 10 bucks for Netflix, 10 bucks for Crave TV, which I'm doing right now. Um, I, I was talking about this with our tech director, Albert Van Sanford, about this Crave TV, which if you, uh, ha have you used it much at all, Haley? I haven't. It's no. not a great app. It's just very user unfriendly, mm. um, difficult, uh, just it's search engine. It's, it's kind of wonky. So, I, I mean, apologies to Bell, uh, for not giving them a ringing endorsement, but this is a Canadian made competitor and. I, they really don't hold a candle to Netflix at this point. It, no. Is that even all that surprising though? No. Considering uh, well, how big Netflix is? I subscribed to Show Me, remember Show Me, and was with it till the end. And then it said, you know, this, this yeah. is your last 30 days. Yeah, you know, we were originally <laughs> with Show Me before that ended. And then we went over to Crave. And yeah. I, I, I kind of forget. I, I don't have that many great memories of Show Me, but I think Show Me was better than Crave. Is that your recollection or... Yeah, I I chose Show Me specifically for the content it had over okay. Crave. Yeah. Um and enjoyed it. Had a lot of um shows that I like to watch and then was actually sort of disappointed that it went under, but I can understand obviously it failed to compete. It's a really competitive space. But let's be honest, if you're choosing it for the content, it's all like American content, right? Yeah. It, it's not yeah. like no. your yeah, favorite exactly. Canadian TV show like Kim's Convenience, right? No. I I hate to admit I don't watch a lot of Canadian content because yeah. I don't have 
a TV and I only subscribe to Netflix. So I'm fascinated what this new Netflix deal for Canada content is really going to mean for what we would consider Canadian shows. There's still a lot of uncertainty about what this deal means. So I don't know, maybe we can look forward to kind of this Netflix content with a Canadian flair coming forward. I, I don't know. Yeah, we've talked about too what they mean by Canadian content, whether it's CanCon or whether it's made in Canada content. Right. Yeah. So whether it, you know, it'll be another offering on Netflix and you can't really tell it's from Canada or maybe it's going to, I don't know. I but have no idea. The thing is, it, it could appear to be CanCon for all intents and purposes, but it may not necessarily qualify as Canadian content. So it, it could be, say, a Canadian writer um, writing something that is filmed in, I don't know, say, Vancouver. But I don't know. I think there's all these different rules. I, I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but yeah. it may not necessarily be what we would consider to be typical CanCon. Either way, I'm fascinated by what comes out of this deal with Netflix and what it means for us enjoying more Canadian television. Same here. Okay. Well, that podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Business Advisors. And I want to thank you all for listening. Haley, where can we find you if we want to find more of your stories online? Head on over to BIV.com. And if you want to connect, my social media handle is at Haley Wooden. Great. And you can find me at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. We'll be back next time.